everybody here is just uh, too spiritual to have ever watched TV. So uh, I know I'm talking to the wrong crowd. But uh, anybody remember those old TV shows that every once in a while, at the end of a show, it would stop and say, to be continued? Yeah. You know? Or, you know, tune in next week for the exciting conclusion. You know, whatever. You know, the. They call it a cliffhanger because the cowboy was hanging off a cliff, right? And then the, the next week, uh, uh, the cowboy is somehow safely on the ground. And, you know, oftentimes in the old days, they wouldn't even really show you how he survived. But it gets you coming back. It started off in the movie theaters. You know, they would do these episodes, you know, on the, the matinees, you know, the nickel movies. And uh, it gets you coming back the next week, and the next week, the next week. Eventually, this stuff ended up on TV. And from what I understand, just about everything on TV today is always a continuation. That's, that's how, that's how you, you know, it's no longer said to be continued. It's just understood. Everything now is a soap opera. Mm -hmm. If you don't keep watching it, you know, one episode's not going to do you any good. Mm -hmm. no, we're not promoting TV here today. We're living in real life. Amen. You know, Isaiah 28 tells us that the way things, understandings, teachings, sometimes, a lot of times, even revelations, they come just a little bit at a time. You know, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Unfortunately, we live in a quick push button world. Right. Well, that was really true 30 years ago. Now it's it's worse. You know, we, we have machines that work at the speed of light, and that's not fast enough for some of us. You know, we're, we're bouncing signals off satellites all over the world. We can talk uh, in ways that we can communicate like we never have before. Even that is not good enough. I was play, playing a stupid game on my tablet the other day, and... Uh, my internet connection was spotty. It was just a mindless little game. Uh, but because the internet was spotty, I kept losing the game. That stupid thing. Well, no, it's not stupid. It's very, very, uh, very high degree of technology there. But, but because a signal kept getting lost, you know, I kept missing out on my dopamine hit. You know, it's like when you, when you win the prize. You know, nothing really happens except for a little bit of chemical releases in your brain. It makes you feel like you've done something. You see, that's not what happens in the kingdom of God. The Lord lays a foundation and he builds on it. Amen? Amen. We don't often hit the foundations, uh, mainly because we're just not really led to. Uh, assuming that in our homes... We're teaching the foundations. Not, not just in Sunday school class, okay? But in our homes, we're teaching the foundations. doesn't matter what age or what kind of family unit you have. We ought to be teaching the foundations. Right. So that when we come into the house of God, we collectively can be moved and led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Amen. I have found out that human nature is extremely difficult to turn, especially when I'm trying to turn it. Right. But if we will hand it over to Jesus, it's not it's not that hard for him to do. But what he's looking for is willing hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for willing hearts. So we 
We lay a foundation, excuse me for a second. I rebuke OCD in the name of Jesus. This stupid little twig was bothering me. But uh, in the name of Jesus, it's coming. Jesus. Hallelujah. I will not give in to OCD. I will not give in to OCD. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14. Devil, you will not intimidate me in the name of Jesus. Right, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you just have to tell them that. When we do the things that we have begun to do last Wednesday and last Thursday on a corporate level, the devil starts pulling out the stops. You know, he'll hit you where he thinks it hurts you. And often he's pretty accurate about those things. And that that is telling. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's telling. In other words, um, if the devil hits you in finances, it's usually because he studied you long enough to know that's where it's really going to hurt you. Yeah. And that's telling because sometimes we think we trust in God until we have no money. Other times he'll hit us in health. Because we think we trust in God when we're feeling good, but then when there's no health, all of a sudden we're floundering and we're casting about. Sometimes he'll hit us in relationships. He'll start causing problems between husbands and wives or parents and children or other kinds of relationships at work or whatever. Anybody hearing me? Yep. Yeah. It's often very telling because the devil will study us and he'll... he'll find out what's most likely because he's not God, he doesn't know everything but he'll find out what most likely is going to bug us yep. and get our attention off what God wants to do right. it's all a game mm -hmm. from the devil's perspective it's a game now I've talked about these things in times past and I don't think there's ever been a time where I talked about it that people did not get offended okay, but the Lord keeps telling me, just say it, just say it, just say it. Don't be intimidated because that's the work of the devil too. He'll right. try to intimidate yep. a man of God to not say what he's supposed to say because he knows somebody there is going to get intimidated. That's right. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, offended. Everybody hearing me here. So uh, I'm not here trying to bellyache about the pressures uh, of being a preacher. I'm here to say I understand what the devil's trying to do. Yeah. I understand what the devil's trying to do in your life. I understand what the devil's trying to do in your families. I understand what the devil's trying to do in this church and in this region. Everything starts on that level. We start We start with our relationship with God. Yep. Our relationship with God is not a game, folks. No. It's not a religious thing. Okay? It's, it's not a formal relationship. When I go down to the bank, I see some of these ladies and sometimes guys at these bank uh, places and uh, whether I'm meeting them in person, or well, whether it's always in person, but whether I'm going inside or whether I'm driving up through a drive-thru, I'm, I'm seeing people and we have a professional relationship. When, when I drive up to the window, they say, uh, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Because that's expected, polite society. And uh, what can I do for you today? Here you go, I need to do this. Afterwards, they say, is there anything else? No, thank you. Okay, have a nice day. Thank you, you too. I, I can write the script because it's the same script every week. And so can the rest of us. 
you know, it's a professional relationship, and this is exactly what the devil wants. See, I don't know that person. I don't know their life. I don't know their struggles. And let's just be brutally honest. I don't care. They could be going through some terrible pain or terrible, uh, you know, circumstances in their life. They could be grief-ridden, but I don't care. I just want them to do their job concerning me. I don't care if they do a good job in the guy in front of me or with the guy behind me. I just want them to do a good job for me. Come on, is that honest right. enough? That's yeah. honest, yeah. We're not like that, Pastor. We're all like that. It's human nature. Right. Because right. we... Let's talk about TV again. You know, sometimes if, if you miss the show, you don't think it happened. It's, it's weird. Like, anybody, you know, I'm sure we've all called out sick to school when we went to school. But it's almost a surprise when we go back to school the next day that we have work to make up. Now, I'm talking about regular organized school. Uh, so those of you who homeschool or are homeschooling now, that probably doesn't make as much of a difference. But uh, when I went to whether public school or Christian school, either one, hey, school went on whether you were there or not, right? Life happened whether you were in it or not. Right. I'm sorry, something's... He knows what I have to say is important. I'm trying to warm up to say it. Uh, what was I? Life goes on whether we're in it or not. So when we go to that bank and we see those people, you know, honestly, most of the time, now I'm not accusing anybody of having hard hearts or being carnal or not caring about souls. But really, when we're on a job, most of us want to get the job done. Right. It doesn't matter what temperament you have. If, if I'm going to take the effort to go all the way out there to do this, I want it to be done. I want it to be done right. When we go to the supermarket, we, we, we use some of us, maybe uh, maybe not all of us, but a lot of times we make a list for ourselves. And when we get there, we want the things that are on our list to be there in the brands that we like best. Right. Yeah. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because yeah, you know it's true. We like them to have what we want. And what happens when they don't have what we want? Well, we deal with it in different ways. Some people say, you know, some of us say, I'll go to the next store. Some of us say, manager, or, or you know, that we look for a store clerk. Hey, you know, every time I come here, you guys always have this. Where are they this week? And do you have any in the back? You know, most of the time that never works, does it? If, if it's not out on the shelves, most and unless you caught it right at the right moment where it got bought out and the truck is just pulling in and they're unloading the truck right now because those guys usually start getting their stuff out once the trucks come in. You know, so if uh, if you got it right in the sweet spot, spot, you might be able to say, hey, where's my favorite package of whatever? And they say, you know what? A truck just pulled in. Let me go check. Now, that almost never happens, does it? No. So we'll either go to another place or we'll do without. A lot of times we get mad. We're not really mad, but just some, especially people who like to get what they plan on getting, you know, you know, and, you know. So now my days shifted by half an hour or an hour because I got to go to another place to get what I want. That's human nature, folks. I'm not saying it's bad or good either one. If we can deal with it badly, we can deal with it better. In the name of Jesus, sometimes it is Jesus saying, "You didn't need that anyway. Leave it alone." You know, there's been times where there's a, 
the, the bank that I go to right down the street here, it closed up. Why? I don't know. It's a perfectly good, good branch. Uh, I, I, I drive past that bank every once in a while, say, the building looks fine. Every time I went into the building, everything looked fine. Everything looked uh, uh, perfectly great, but somehow Citizens Bank decided to close down that branch. So I've now got to go deeper into Woonsocket or North Smithfield to get my stuff done. How dare they? Didn't they know I only lived two minutes away from the bank? Well, that was an aggravation. So I started going into Woonsocket down on uh, Cumberland Street there, Social Street. And uh, well, they had no drive through there. So I had to get out of my car and, and, and walk inside because they have no drive through. And uh, you know, that was a pain during COVID. You know, well, I, should, I shouldn't say during COVID this stupidity is still happening. But anyway, uh, it, it was a pain because you got to go in there. And, you know, I was kicked out of that place so many times because I'd walk in there with my mask on and they'd be like, oh, no, we can't have more than so many people. Because it's this little tiny box of a branch that has no drive through, but they closed down a wonderfully large branch that had a drive through. I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe they know, well, I'm sure they know a lot more about their business than I do. So I, uh, I stopped going there, and I drive all the way over to North Smithfield, Park Square, because that Citizens Bank had a drive through And this happened, like, in a month, this happened, like, three different times. No holidays, nothing special. I always go out there on Mondays. I drive up, and the place is closed. What? Come on. It's no holiday. You know, and so I, you know, so I gotta drive back into Woonsocket, and I gotta go to the one I gotta get out of my car for. You know, it's aggravating. But really, in the in the grand scope of things, it's no big deal. I'm gonna get what I need to get done. I mean, I could drive up to Stop and Shop up in Bellingham. They got a Citizens Branch in there, right? I, I could. There's a lot of places I could go to get whatever I needed done. I could go online and get it. A lot of it done. I could go up to an ATM and just uh, push a deposit thing in, in the slot, right? I mean, I could do any of that. There's so much that we can do these days with technology, but I like certain things a certain way, as all of us do. And uh, I like to get it done that way. And when I make a plan for it, I like it to happen. But it doesn't always happen that way. I'm talking to someone. I'm talking to someone here. We're trying to get back to the idea that that's not the God we serve. And we should never, never try to treat God the way we treat our fellow man. Now, we've been given the mandate, uh, love the Lord God with everything you have. Your innermost being, your, your heart, you know, your life, even everything that flows out of you, including your possessions, your family, your livelihood, everything, loving God. With all of it, right? We, we find that out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Out of Leviticus chapter 19, we find love your neighbor as yourself, right? Oh, okay. Th thanks, brother. Uh, you weren't sure if it was Leviticus 19 or not. Is that, is that what it was? Did I script you up on that one? Anyway, we, but we all know when Jesus says these are the two greatest commandments, right? Yep. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. We're all familiar with that one? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Work with me a little bit here. All right, so when we're loving our neighbors ourselves, would we get upset if we felt like God did not care about us? Yeah. I think we would. Yeah. Now, we really have no choice because God is God and He's the King and He's the boss and 
If you really didn't care about me, well, what am I going to do? Turn to the devil? I can't win that way. What am I going to do? Shake my fist at God and stop serving? I can't win that way. Not ultimately, right? It might make me feel good in a moment. Well, we can't treat God that way. And so we also don't want God to treat us that way. And so when we go to a place and we see that the clerk is just having a bad day, we've all been there. We've all been to places where there's a... There's only, you know, you've got 50 registers and only two are open. And uh, the, the one that, that's, uh, the two that are open have these slowest cashiers in history. And you're standing in a, in a line 50, 50 people deep going, oh, no, she's pulling out the checkbook. You know, and we've all, come on, we've all seen it. We're like six people in. We're like, we're getting close now. And then, uh... Uh, the people are touching the, uh, the pad, looking at their card, going into their pocket, looking at their, their, you know, their pen number. It worked last week when I was here. And, you know, and, and we're going, oh, my goodness, somebody call a manager. Get them out of here. We've all been there. We don't care about their age. We don't care if they're physically suffering. We don't care if they're having a, a, a moment uh, of uh, unclarity, maybe because of so, some mental circumstance in their life. Come on, is everybody with me? Sure. Here, man. You know, we, we just, I just want to get what I want done. Right. And when we go to God, unfortunately, this is the same way we treat Him. We don't. Does God have any problems? Of course not. We know that. And because we know that, we will often get upset when we have problems because God can stop us from having problems. We go to the Lord and just like, Lord, I need this gone and I need it gone yesterday. So invariably, when I talk about people playing games, it does upset folks. Because people will say, I'm not playing games with God. Listen, if you're not dealing with reality, you're playing a game. It may not be for fun, but it's a game. I know I talk about this every couple of months. I get it. I know uh, sometimes I can sound like a stuck record, but this is not being stuck. Okay, in fact, I think I'm going to read a scripture in a little while uh, that, that, that proves that it's, it's a good thing to repeat. Okay? If the Lord lets me. I've got some scriptures in mind, but maybe the Lord's got something else in mind. But we know God doesn't have any problems, and therefore we shouldn't have any problems because we serve God. That's not reality. God is perfect. God is all-knowing. God is all-present. God is all-powerful. God is infinite. God is eternal. God is love. God is spirit. God is peace. God is righteous. Therefore, He has no problems. Are you all-knowing? No. Therefore, we have problems. Sometimes not knowing stuff does hurt you. So when they say, well, if they don't know, don't hurt them. That's a lie from hell, folks. There's a lot of things that can hurt you because you don't know. That's why we have to trust in the Lord God every single second of our life. Because there's a lot of things that we don't know because not knowing causes problems. And sometimes knowing causes problems. Right at the beginning, the Lord said, don't eat that tree. What tree was that? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes knowing the wrong things causes problems. Well, we're not everywhere at once. That causes a problem, right? But when, when three things come due right at the same moment, you can't split yourself into three. Right? 
here. Right. You can't be an unholy trinity all of a sudden. Walk a walk a walk. A bad joke. You can't. We know it. We can't be in three places at once. That causes a problem. Right? We're not all powerful. That causes a problem every once in a while. We're not infinite. We're not eternal. We can't see the big picture. We're not righteous like God. We're striving for it. We're not perfect like God. We're striving for it. Should be anyway. Right? So we don't get mad at God for being perfect. Trust in God. Rejoice in God. Put your faith in God. Because He's perfect and entire and whole and almighty and everywhere and knows everything. Because when we try to act like God shouldn't have any problems and I don't have, so I, therefore I don't have any problems, we're not dealing with reality. There is a problem. There's a flesh we've got to deal with. There's a sin nature we've got to deal with. These are things we know. These are things that the Word tells us. These are things that we have to constantly overcome. And we don't just have to overcome it in ourselves. We have to overcome it in our spouses. We have to overcome it in our kids. And we have to go overcome it in our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have to overcome it in our unsaved politicians and bosses and everyone else that we interact with that is not saved, right? Amen. Come on. I mean, this causes a lot of problems. Do you think about it? The world should have blown up 6,000 years ago, but it didn't. Well, let's just say it should have blown up maybe 5,000 900 years ago, okay? When, when there's a few people on earth. Because you think of all the absolutely insurmountable problems that can come with different peoples interacting with each other. How is it that we are not in constant warfare? And I'm talking about on local levels, within our own homes. By the power of God, by the hand of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't know how people without the Holy Ghost do it. You know, and, and some of us remember being in families where the Holy Ghost wasn't present, and somehow we still lived and we still got along and we still made it through because we're still here, right? Yeah. right? But you think about all the problems that could happen, that, that should prove to you right there there is no randomness in this thing. Right. But we forget that because what do you do when you play a game? You're hitting a ball, you don't know where it's going to go. You're going to try to make it go a certain place, but you don't know. You're going to throw some dice. You don't know how it's going to pop up, right? You're going to draw some cards. You don't know which ones you're going to get. This is what a game is. This is not reality. In God's reality, everything is written. Everything is spoken. He knows the end from the beginning. In fact, He tells the end from the beginning. And so our relationship with God is not a one-time bank teller relationship. It's not a going to a restaurant relationship. It's It's... Come on, anybody with me? So we cannot afford to play games with God. And let's just speed it up a little bit. On the family level, that's the next level up. You can't afford it on that level. On the church level, you can't afford it on that level. And you can't afford it the levels beyond that, which goes into our regions. Because we are here to not just be a little church on a corner. We're here to impact New England. We are here to impact... Not just Cumberland, Woonsocket, North Smithfield, but we're here to impact the entire scope of the territory God has given us. And we have, we have representation all the way down from uh, Wakefield, Rhode Island, right now, all the way over to uh, the, the South Shore in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, just in this room right here, we've got a large territory this little church represents. 
And at the very least, that territory should be impacted by our prayers. Amen. A lot of times, because on the individual level, we are playing games with God, we can't even get our family straight, and we can't operate the right way in the church. So therefore, we're never going to do anything in the communities larger than us and the territory God's got given us. Listen, I might have a big vision here, and I'm, I'm, I might be trying to overreach what God has given me. I don't think so. But I have a vision for New England. Okay? New England has, oh, I'm talking all the way up the tippity top of Maine, all the way down uh, to the borders of New York and Connecticut. Okay? Uh, listen, the whole scope. Well, what, what does that mean? What do we do? I have no idea. But God's given me that burden. And if you're here under this ministry, then it's going to filter down into all of us. Yep. There is no such thing as just sitting on a pew and just getting by on your personal level. Right. We can't afford to do that. It's got to be a family. Yeah, it's right. got to be yep. a, a cohesive yep. unit. It's got to be something that God can work with. A unit. Amen. Sometimes that unit has to be a military unit. Sometimes that unit has to be a workforce. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes that unit has to be a well-running hospital unit. Okay, healing folks. A delivery room. Come on. We, we, we at times are going to have to be all of these things. Right. Yes. Now, now, where am I going? I'm going, you know, when we start though, when we start praying against gods in our life, uh, those gods in our lives say, I don't like that. They start coming against us. They, they, do, they start doing goofy things. All of a sudden, uh, illness, illnesses uh, hit us out of nowhere. You know, all of a sudden, our cars break down for no reason. <laughs> what happened there? Got a perfectly good, uh, good running car. Absolutely no warnings at all. And then kaput. Five thousand dollars. Excuse me. What? Uh, how does that happen? Well, well, we're not defeated though. We're not defeated. I, want you, I know. I told you about uh, an hour ago to turn to Proverbs. I'm finally opening my Bible. So uh, Proverbs 26 says, "In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence." And his children shall have a place of refuge. 1826. You know, the Lord is really trying to get our attention, folks. You know? yes. I've been saying this a lot. I've been ministering to some of you personally about this. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. The other day, me and my wife were working in, in the house, and we both need to go downstairs and we know our daughter that if she looks up from whatever she's playing with and she doesn't notice mom and dad around, she she gets really nervous. Mom, dad! We can hear her screaming all the way upstairs through all these walls and stuff, you know. And uh, so when we both have to go at the same time, we make sure she knows we're going downstairs. We'll be back. It's like Lord God, help her grow out of this, you know. But she's still there. And the other day, uh, Amber said, Abby, we're going downstairs. Abby, we're going downstairs. Now, this time, we're walking down the stairs, and she still didn't answer. And so we're both yelling at her, Abby, 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 Abby! What? Like, well, she's playing with something, and she's totally absorbed in whatever she's playing with. And that's what God's doing right now. We get so absorbed. Yeah, so yeah. absorbed in whatever we're playing with. He said, quit playing with that for a second and let me talk to you. Yes. I'm going somewhere. 
And I need you to be on board with that. You know, I'm not trying to yell at you to convince you that. I'm just trying to tell you this is what God's doing. And God can get your attention a whole lot better than me. Now, for a little short guy, five foot five, I have got an excellent set of lungs. When I was born, my, my dad said I was all chest. I was just a barrel-chested little baby. And I had a set of lungs. And when I was about, I think, six months old, uh, my lungs began to collapse one, one night. And uh, I was gasping for breath, and I couldn't get breath. Obviously, I don't remember it, but my parents have told me the story. And uh, immediately, ah, rushed to the hospital. And then something came over my dad, and he said, no, wait, let's pray. So they, could, they, they, they brought me, and they put me under the air conditioner, thinking that maybe some cool air would help. Uh, but they began to pray, and within just a minute, my, my lungs opened up, and I began to breathe. And uh, I've been breathing ever since, obviously. And, you know, the devil attacked me when I was a baby in my lungs because the Lord knew, uh, because he knew the Lord had something my lungs needed to do. And every once in a while, I have to take these big old lungs and my big old barrel chest, and I need to let the sound out. That's why I don't use a mic. A mic just distorts everything. So with a room this size, I don't need a mic. I can yell loud enough. I can't even yell over the traffic. I can yell over the air conditioners. I can yell over the fans if I need to. Over the years, I have had several people tell me uh, they didn't like it when I raised my voice. And I'm like, I'm sorry about that. I don't like it when I raise my voice either. Because, you know, the next day I'm a little hoarse, you know, and, and I don't like that. But here is the thing. All I'm trying to say is God can get your attention better than a guy with a big set of lungs. And all God's doing is telling you with this little guy here with his mighty lungs that God's trying to get your attention. In fact, He's just using me to get your attention long enough to hear that He's trying to get your attention. But God doesn't try. When God wants to do something, He just doesn't. He knows how to do it. So we, we put all kinds of power and glory in the devil's hands. And that's what we started off today. We're not giving him glory, but we give him acknowledging. See, the devil has to study because he doesn't know everything. He watches and he assumes this is going to hit him where it hurts. And that's what he does. But the Lord is saying, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you are my tool. You're my instrument. You think you're in charge. And I go ahead and let you think you're in charge all the way up to the point where I defeat you in their life. That's how God does it. Yep. And so we read this little passage from a very wise man. He says, listen, when someone has the fear of the Lord, it's strong confidence. Right. It's strong confidence. And his children, the man who puts his fear in the Lord, uh, his trust in the Lord, who has fear of the Lord, he's going to find refuge, right? For him and his family. Yep. Everybody read, let's read it again. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. His, his offspring, his outflow, that which comes forth from him, his ministry, and that which he produces. Okay? Children, uh, in, in that particular case, can be a euphemism for all those things. And, of course, natural children as well. We don't want to forget the obvious. All right? Yeah. Everybody okay yeah. so far? Yeah. That word confidence is, is, a, is a word here in Hebrew that means something trustworthy. It's, it's a foundation you can trust in. It's something that you know if you stand on. 
it's not going to collapse. Right. When you have the fear of the Lord, you, you, if th things aren't going to buckle under you. If you want to learn more about the fear of the Lord, we're not going to go to that today, but read Psalm 34. You know, the angel of the Lord encampeth about them that fear Him, right? But Psalm 34 is all about the fear of the Lord, all of its benefits. We often think of the fear of the Lord as the, you know, the terror before God, but the fear of the Lord has benefits. Even in the English word confidence, it basically means trusting. Yep. Okay? Fidelity in, in, in Latin means faith or trust. The, the C-O-N prefix usually means with, or it, it gives the idea of I'm trusting. The fear of the Lord means I'm trusting God. I'm trusting what He puts in as my refuge. There's another scripture that talks about His pavilion, right? Psalm 18 talks about His pavilion. Well, what's a pavilion? A pavilion is a roof with only posts holding it up. How is that a refuge? I mean, winds can come in, weather can come in, only the very top is protected. Uh, 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 an enemy can shoot an arrow at you and, and, and kill you in a pavilion, but not in God's pavilion, right? Because right. no matter what it looks like, God's got you. Yeah. Yeah. If He puts you in a pavilion, that's God's way of saying the attack's coming from above. You don't need protection from the side because I've got you surrounded. Right. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Let's uh, let's turn to that scripture I was talking about in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. For some reason, I've been in Philippians a lot these days. The Lord's speaking to me a lot of things out of this little letter. But... Uh, it's just a it's just a, a personal note that I have lived under when I'm studying the word. When you see words like finally, pay attention. There's a big point coming, okay? Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. That's a scripture we're talking about. Sometimes we do have to repeat ourselves. Right. Peter says, Listen, I'm writing to you this again, which means this letter to the Philippians is not the only one he wrote. He's written them other letters that we don't have any record of, okay? Yeah. Uh, Peter says, hey, listen, I will not be ashamed at all. I didn't say ashamed, but I, I'm going to go ahead and repeat because I know it's good for you. I'm going to go ahead and repeat the things that you're well established in because that's good for you. Amen. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. He's like, I know I tell you this stuff a lot. Here it is, telling you it again. But he doesn't stop there. He, he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision. That's one of those things that trouble Christians even to this day, this whole idea about circumcision. We're not going to go down that bunny trail today. But Paul states out primarily to a Gentile uh, church Primarily Gentile. There's Jews there too, but primarily Gentile. By this time, he's writing. We are the circumcision. Normally, that's code word for the Jews. And Paul is saying, I'm talking to you folks, you Philippians, up there in this Roman garrison town, these Macedonians that are not Jewish by and large. He says, we are the circumcision. We are the ones that have been marked out for God. We are the ones that have made a covenant with the Almighty. Which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus 
and have no confidence in the flesh. Now I'm using this uh, this verse as a, as a counterpoint. We, we could go on from there and he says some good things and we, we get into the excellency of the knowledge of Christ and that's all wonderful teaching. I'm not going there right now. I just wanted to start off with that. He says, I know I tell you to rejoice all the time. Why do I tell you to rejoice? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength according to the book of Nehemiah, right? Yep. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we have His joy, we will gain strength. When people are persecuting us, he says, rejoice. When we go through many diverse trials, he says, rejoice. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the stupidest time to know. It's the best time to rejoice. Because that's when you need strength. When people are coming against you, right. we can rejoice. We, there's a way to get into it. Hebrews chapter uh, 12, right? Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, he could not have endured the cross without going to the cross joyfully. Right. So when we're in a trial, it's about the joy. So again, we know these scriptures. Yep. Just like last week, we talked about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And uh, the Lord kind of spun it different for us. He's not, he's not saying, I can get out of this trial with the help of the Lord. He was telling us, I can go through the trial yeah. with the help of the Lord. That's the strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Oh, by the way, that's also in this book. Yes. And the whole book is about rejoicing and to be joyful. Why? Because it's about being strengthened to go through. Yeah. I'm not going to re-preach last, last week's message. I hope you have it. I hope you don't have it down in your hearts. I hope you've prayed it through and prayed it in. And I hope you've been living it this week. Yeah. Because the Lord knew by Wednesday night we were going to start facing off on some devils. Yeah. And he knew Thursday night we were going to start praying this stuff through. And he, he knew stuff was going to start happening in our lives. But he's saying, listen, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Just don't fear the devil. Have a good dose of the fear of the Lord. You know, how, Pastor, how do I get the fear of the Lord? That's a good question. A good place to start with everything is pray for it. Amen. Lord God, how many people believe that if we pray according to God's will, He'll do it. That's right. Do, do we have scripture for that? Yes. yes, I believe in John chapter 14 and also 1 John chapter 5, right? We, if we pray in His name or in His will, we will have confidence to know that He's heard us. Right? Right? Yeah. So, if you need more fear of the Lord, and you know, according to the Word of God, that He wants us to have it, then we start in faith saying, Lord, give me the fear of the Lord. You're going to start getting it. It won't manifest itself the way you think, though. I'll give you an example. Let's turn, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Praise God. Lord God, and I do feel the Lord's help here today. Thank you, Jesus. Let the devil fight me before because he knows this is important. Yep. The devil's fighting you right now. Get that guy out. First Corinthians 13, 13, now abide in faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is the charity. Love, love and action. Okay. I was dwelling on that, oh, probably 16, 17 years ago. And oh, actually, I wasn't dwelling on that. I was in prayer, and the Lord told me there are three responses that my people give to me. 
that I'm looking for from every child of God. He began to open up kind of an understanding that his love is kind of like, and don't go golden earring on me, but his love is like radar, okay? Some of you got the reference, some of you didn't. That's all right. We don't need to know those songs. Anyway, it's like he sends his radar out, and it blips off of every one of us, and it comes back to him as a response. And he says, this guy loves me, this guy loves me, this guy loves me, this guy. And really, according to First John again, uh, we love him because he first loved us. So the first wave comes from God, right? For God so loved the world, he loved all of the world. His love in a wave form got all of us. And he's, when that love impacted some of us, we said, oh, someone loves me. I love him too. And that response came back to him. And he said, oh, this one loves me back. This one loves me back. This one loves me back. This one doesn't. This one doesn't. This one doesn't. And so then his next wave acts accordingly. It's modified by it. Now that works for some of you. It doesn't work for all of you. Okay, but... As I was starting, you know, the Lord was just kind of downloading these things. And he says it's not just love. It's actually three things. We respond to the Lord in love. We respond to his word in faith. And we respond to his movement in our life in the fear of the Lord. Oh, when I heard that understanding of faith and love, well, all of a sudden my, my Bible brain, you know, the part of my brain that has Bible knowledge from a child, said, oh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, right? That's, wait a minute, fear of the Lord and hope. Uh, okay, so the pattern doesn't fit. And as I began to study it, I found out that the word hope in Greek means earnest expectation, and it also means confidence. I said, isn't that interesting? Okay. It seems like there's somewhere in the Bible that talks about both confidence and the fear of the Lord. And if you haven't been taking notes, we've already read that scripture. Okay. Proverbs 14, 26 if you are taking notes. But, you know, as I was studying that, the Lord let me understand what hope really is. In English, hope is always a positive word. It's always, its arrow only points one way. It's always to good things. I'm hoping for the best. Because no one hopes for the worst, right? Right. Well, that's the way we use it in English, but the word hope, the word hap, Happen, happenstance, all of this comes from old Germanic roots, okay? And the idea is it really means the condition of a moment of time. That's what happenstance is. It's also where we get our word happy from, okay? Now, happy in the English language is always a good thing. Hope is always a good thing. But we... Those of us who have read enough Shakespeare and King James Version of the Bible know that happenstance is a word that means neither good or bad. It just what happens, right? That's where we get happening from. Hey, what's happening? Well, watch out because the guy could answer you good or bad, right? Yep. So we've taken some words to make them only mean good things, hope and happen. But they originated in ideas that can go either way. It's not a condition of positive or negative. It's a condition of a condition. If that makes any sense at all. Yep. Okay? So if in this moment things are good, in this happy moment, I happen to be happy. Okay, mixing ideas here. Anyway, and I hope 
that it will continue. Well, hope is a word, especially the, in the Greek understanding here, behind the language. Hope is a word, getting translated into English, it's a word that really means an expectation. In other words, if God says, obey me, everything's going to go right. We can open that, right? Yeah. Or rather, it's not a wish, like I really hope it does happen. No, it's an earnest expectation that it absolutely will happen because I trust in God. Yeah. And conversely, or um, yeah, I guess contrastly you could say too. Anyway, on the other side of that, if the Lord says, but disobey me and things aren't going to go well, I also hope in that. Again, not as in a wish. Like, I really hope that happens. No, no, no. No one does that. But it's an earnest expectation that if I do not serve God, things will not turn out right. Both sides are hope in the Greek understanding. Everybody with me so far? So when we're talking about hope, we're talking about a confidence in God. We're talking about a trust in what He says whether it goes this way or whether it goes that way, we're totally trusting in what he says. And that is the definition of the fear of the Lord. That I, I have enough awe and respect for God to know absolutely that the creator of the universe that simply said, let there be light, and there was light, can tell me a worm, a little speck that's less than a speck of dust, he can tell me, this is how I'm going to order your life if you'll serve me. I can say, I trust in that because you're God. Right. So there's one response we give to God, which is love. We only give that response when he loves us first. But when he gives us his word, we respond in faith. Yep. Faith is not just trusting in God. That's really more on the hope level. Faith is, I heard your word, I believe your word, and that word is going to cause actions in my life. Charity is love in action. Faith is is belief in action. Yep. Hope is trust in action. Yep. So aren't, aren't they all the same thing? There's subtle differences. And I don't have the time to really go into all the subtle differences right now. But, you know, you tend to trust the people you believe. So, I believe my neighbor when he said he was going to kill me the other day, but I don't trust him. No, you trust the fact that he's going to kill you if you get in his way. Trust can go different ways, too. Sure. A lot of times we think of these words as only being good things. But the original meanings of these words means it's, it's an absolute confidence. That's what hope is. It's a confidence that what that guy says he's going to do. Right. If, you, if that dog messes on my lawn again, I'm going to shoot him with my shotgun. I trust that. I don't let my dog go over there anymore. Right. Is this working for anybody? Yeah. We're talking about some confidence today. Confident in God. God said to us, if you will confront these things in your life, I will give everything. If you will serve me, if you will be the circumcision. Now this was the whole idea. Why would Paul say that to a bunch of Gentiles? Because it still applies. We're not talking about circumcision of flesh. Right. Paul talks enough about that yeah. that that's a very clear issue. Yeah. We're talking about something that marks a covenant, yeah. an agreement with God. So what really God is saying is, if you will agree with me, just like in Amos chapter 3, right? How could you walk unless they be agreed? Right. But if you will agree with me, 
Great things are going to happen for you. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's make an agreement, a covenant, a contract. Let's say, that's the reason why we had to disannul, right? That's why we had to so rather annul. That's why we had to just renounce those old contracts, right? Yeah. Right. Because we, we need to be in a covenant with Jesus. That's right. Yes. Amen. And how did Abraham uh, sign that covenant, if you will? He signed it with his own body. Yeah. By pieces getting cut off of his body. And so, when we sign our contract with the Lord Jesus, there's a piece of us that gets cut out. The, the circumcision of the heart, right? The old man, the old heart that deceives us. That there's pieces that belong only to God. Yes. And it gives us an agreement with Him. I'm going to serve you. If I serve you, what's the agreement, the original agreement with Abraham? If you will walk in my way, if you will trust me, if you will heed my word, you're going to be blessed. Right. And here's the thing. It, it doesn't have to stay in the selfish realm. He said, through you all, the nations of the earth will be blessed. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? That word nation, in almost every case in the book of Genesis, where you're talking about uh, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, when those promises come, it can almost always be translated family. In fact, when God is talking to Jacob in the book of Genesis, he actually says all the families of the earth. Doesn't it? So often when we look at the word nation, we're not talking about the nation of the United States or China or Russia, but really that word comes from nativity, right? A native, a family, a family unit. Everybody with me? Yep. Yes. Praise God. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Some of you knew I was going there. When I started using the word confidence, you knew I was going there. We could also go to 1 John chapter 5. There's a, a good word confidence there. But I, I like this passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Philippians 3, he says, listen, we are circumcision. So watch out for these evil folks. And here's the thing. When we start making an agreement with God, it doesn't just affect our life. It does affect our family. It affects our church body. Right? It affects our church body. You know, uh, I, was, I was just looking at something the other day about Miriam. Uh, I, was, I was studying on something completely unrelated to what we're talking about today, and I was looking at Miriam, and uh, we were looking at the time that they heard her brother opposed Moses. I was kind of just rehashing that story. I was talking to some of the brothers about these things, and so I wanted to just kind of refresh these things. And, and as I was looking at that story, it, it just kind of popped out at me. The entire nation of Israel was held up for a week because she opposed not just her brother, but the man of God. So when, you know, when we're in position of any kind of God-given ministry, and Miriam was a prophetess, okay? She had given a position to God. Uh, we see her leading worship with the women, right? And uh, awesome things were happening. But, uh, you know, going further back from there, she's the one that watched out over Moses when he was going down the river, right? She's the one that approached Pharaoh's daughter and said, hey, I can find a nurse for the child. Right. You know, Miriam Mary was used as a little girl. And later, she was called a prophetess by God. And, and when, when a ministry like that uh, gets out of alignment, it can actually mess up the entire body. You know, this is, these are lessons that we really ought to take with us. 
Yeah. You know, we can't afford to think that, oh, well, I'm just an individual and I'm nobody and I have no minister. I'm not very important, blah, blah, blah. No, if you're part of a body, even one cell can affect the entire body. Right. You say, well, if one cell goes bad, I would never even know. Yeah, but if that one cell affects another cell and that rogue factor starts growing, uh, yeah, it will affect the whole body. It might take some time, but it will affect the whole body. Everybody hear me? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was a side note. But uh, Paul talked about again. We we are a certain. We made an agreement with them. So watch out these other people because what you do affects them, and what you do affects your family, and it affects your church, and it affects your community, and it affects your ministries, and it affects your regions. So when we're doing line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, folks, we got to keep stacking it up. Anybody ever walk through a room full of just uh, scattered out Legos in the dark? Ouch, it hurts, don't it? Ah, There's something about those little sharp little pieces of plastic that really get you. You know why? Because they're they're disassembled. They are sharp. They're little tiny little corners on there. But they're disassembled. If, If there was something meaningful, you might run into it. And be like, oh, okay, just push that out of the way and keep going. But if they're all over the floor like that, you can't hardly step in a safe spot. Ow, 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 ow! It's like stepping in a room full of mouse traps. You're not going to get anywhere fast. You might walk away with some broken or bruised toes, right? That's what happens. If we, if we don't stack these things up and make something meaningful out of it, it becomes a minefield for someone else. Come on, I know I'm scattered shot you here today, but it's it's still good. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Verse number 35. Cast not away uh, therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Now he's going to start quoting out of the back end, all right? Before we get there, and we're going to read that. Understand, you know, when we start confronting the devil, things are going to start happening. Okay, to to our good, because things are going to start moving. Because the devil has to move, but it doesn't mean he's not going to try to fight back. That's the reason why last Wednesday night we stressed so hard this kind of. Activity, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and always, we cannot afford to think this is some one and done deal. This was just a Wednesday night message. Everybody with me? Yep. We cannot afford to think that, oh, we prayed Thursday night, so everything's going to be good in our life. No. You know, we, we started on this, and we announced the Wednesday night before that this is what we're going to do last Wednesday night. I have no idea what we're going to do this Wednesday night, but whatever we're going to do, uh, you know, the Lord knows, but when we announced the weekend ahead what we're going to do, the devil automatically started setting up traps. Mental traps, emotional traps, physical traps. You know, he starts, he starts trying to distract us from our course. There's, there's almost never been a time Almost never been a time where I was going somewhere that was very important for me to go. In, in some guy, in not guys, but in some form of ministry somewhere that the devil didn't attack me in my body, in my mind, 
started playing havoc in my family. Come on, hear me, folks. He's not shy. He's not shy. He's insidious. He absolutely would get in your face and start punching your buttons. He don't care. He doesn't care if you hate him. Because a lot of times that's exactly what we do. Damn, I hate you! I don't care. Right? <laughs> he just looks at you, I'm still going to punch you in the nose if I can. You better put up your dukes because I'm coming after you. And this is what the Lord's telling us. We are not living in some willy-nilly, go-with-the-flow atmosphere. Okay? Alright? We have begun to walk with purpose. So the Lord is now saying, listen, still put your confidence in me. In fact, don't throw it away because you've got a great reward coming. You just got to get the, the right order of things. Yeah. You got to get God's priority. Everybody with me? Let's read verse 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Folks, we ought to have hope in the scripture. We ought to have earnest expectation in the Scripture. We ought to have the fear of the Lord in the Scripture. We need to trust God that what He says in His Word and repeated in His Word is true. That if we will trust in Him, we will have our life in Him. But if we draw back, He's not going to have any pleasure in us. In fact, this is what the Lord told me years ago, what the fear of the Lord was. You know what the fear of the Lord is? It's not daring to risk even the smallest displeasure from God. And you couple that with Hebrews chapter 11, we find out that it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. You cannot do it. If you don't trust Him, you don't please Him. If you draw back, you will not please Him. But here's the good news here. We are not of them who draw back under perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I'll give you a little, little hint here. The writer in Hebrews is not talking about lost souls. He's talking to mature, saved folks. Why is he talking about the saving of the soul? Because we still have to get saved. We are being saved. That's what Paul said in Philippians. He says, for you it's safe. Right? I'll keep telling you this stuff because you need, you need to know it. And for you, it's a safe right. thing. But let me go back just a couple of verses back to verse 36. For you have need of patience that after that you have done the will of God you might receive the promise. I don't know who this line is for, but the Lord told me to go back and read that again. There are at least one person here, maybe several here, and I feel a, a word of prophecy from you coming right in a general format. So this is going to be good for the whole church, but this is really directed at individuals in the body right now. Some in this body have put the cart before the horse. We're trying to get God to fulfill His promise before we ever try to do His will. And the Lord says, that's not going to happen. What is the answer? Don't throw away your confidence, but the other answer is patience. Or patient endurance. Or endurance. Alright? My, my dad made up a word just years ago, stick to itiveness. Okay? That means you gotta stick to it. Yes. You, you gotta stay with it. Yes. 
I am determined. Anybody remember that old song? I am determined to hold out to the end. For Jesus is with me. On Him I can depend. For I know I have salvation. For I feel it in my soul. I am determined to hold out to the end. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Those who will endure until the end shall be saved. Right, right. He, did, he did not say those who babble in tongues a little bit will be saved. Right. Even though we believe that, that is an initial salvation. If you want to go all the way through with Jesus, you've got to endure to the end. Praise God. Amen. You've got to endure all the way to the end. Stand with me today. There's some here that the Lord is saying, there's all of us here that the Lord is saying, don't throw your confidence away. We need confidence. Amen? Amen. We need confidence. We need confidence. Confidence just goes back to that old-fashioned understanding of trust and faith and hope in Jesus. And now we see how the fear of the Lord is tied in to faith and hope and trust and belief. It's all about confidence. It's all about the fear of the Lord. It's all about faith. It's all about saying, I will not draw back. I will go forward. I will live my life according to the Word of God. I'm going to find out what the Word of God is saying. I'm going to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. If the Lord is saying it's time to confront, then I will confront. If He says I have to confront my shame, I will confront my shame. I'm not going to wait until God just makes everything good in my life before I start serving Him. I'm going to serve Him and understand God's going to keep me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'm not going to wait for God to bless me before I start giving to Jesus. I'm going to give with the expectation a lot more is coming back because I'm in the will of God now. Praise God, I'm not going to wait until my neighbor comes up to me and apologizes before I go to him and bless him with the Word of God or with a casserole or with $100, whatever God tells me to do. Because that's not how it works. In other words, I'll live my life by faith. If I'm not, I'm drawn back. Praise God, I, I remember Brother Brian Mahan years ago, used to pastor up in Brockton. He said something I'll never forget. He says, this faith walk is like driving a car up a mountain with no brakes. You're either going forward or you're going backward. There's really, there's really no middle ground. You know, you're either driving up the mountain because you've got the foot on the gas, but if you let off that gas, you've got no brakes, so you're going backward. Praise God. If we're not living by faith, then we're not living by faith. I mean, is that clear enough? Yeah, that's right. pretty easy, right? If we're not living by faith, then definitely we're not. If we're living by faith, we're going forward. If we're not living by faith, we're going backwards. Confidence. This is why we need confidence. Man, if you if you ever desire to drive up a mountain with no brakes, you better have confidence that this is a mission that you need to accomplish. We went up to Mount Washington weeks ago. I would never drive up there with no brakes. Because even if I made it up there, how am I going to make it down? Uh-huh. Woo! You better be good. You, you, you better have train on the track, right? Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's reach out to Jesus here. Today. Let's reach out to Jesus. Come on, he's got some confidence that He wants to instill in our hearts. He, he, he's got some confidence that He wants to just deliver and download into us. Come on, he, He's got some faith and some hope and some trust, some fear of the Lord that He wants to download into His people. You're on the right path. Confronting these gods in our life is the right thing to do. 
Come on, even if the devil tries to take your car or try to take your bank account or your children or your wife. And, hey, listen, right now, we got to have confidence that I'm on the right path. And we're doing it because God wants us to do it. Because we've got a mission and we've got a ministry. We have an entire region to impact. Lord God, we proclaim in the name of Jesus the confidence of the Almighty God, the fear of the Lord. That's going to give our children refuge. Hallelujah, Lord God. We proclaim, Lord God, that as we go about the will of God, we will receive the promise. Because you're coming. And you're not going to wait one second longer than you need to, Lord God. Because if we will endure, we know that we're going to be saved. Lord God, if we just keep hearing it line upon line and precept upon precept, oh Lord God, it's going to work a great recompense of reward. Hallelujah, Lord God. It's going to build something up in us. Little by little, it's going to build it up in us. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, put the next layer on. Hallelujah. Put the next layer on today. Lord God, plug us in oh, to the power of God today by the Holy Ghost that dwells inside of us. Oh, Lord God, plug us in one more time. Now understand that there's some confidence awaiting for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're able, why don't you reach your hand over to your neighbor? Hallelujah. And begin to pray the confidence, the fear of the Lord, trust, belief, faith of God, hope in Jesus. Just begin to pray it into a neighbor. Let's just help each other out for a minute or two. Oh, Lord God, we proclaim hope and faith and joy over your people today. Lord God, that they will understand. Oh, we're not in a losing battle. We're on the winning team, oh God. Oh, Lord God, we're not in a losing battle. Uh, we're on the winning team. But we don't have to listen to the enemy's lies. But rather, we have the absolute ability to trust in your word. Oh, Lord God, that we can take a chance on you. Because really, it's not taking a chance at all. Because you are your word, and you are always fulfilling your word in our life. Lord God, you are always trusting. You are always doing what you say. You can never do other than that. Lord God, hallelujah. So I trust in your word. I trust in your word for my life, for my health. Hallelujah, for my finances. Hallelujah, for my family. Hallelujah, Lord God, for their prosperity. Hallelujah, for their salvation. For the church. Oh, Lord God, for deliverance and healing. And ministry going forward and growing, Lord God. For the regions, for the communities and neighborhoods. And ministries that you have around our homes and around our neighborhoods and in our areas, Lord God. And extending all the way into the whole region of New England. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God. Impact us today so that we will be an impact with someone else. Keep us in line. Oh, Lord God, keep us edified. Keep us assembled. Keep us unified. Hallelujah. Keep us positive. Hallelujah. Keep us rejoicing in the method, hallelujah, that you have chosen. In the method that you have given us to us. Hallelujah. In the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. May we rejoice. Hallelujah. Ever continue to rejoice. Oh God, hallelujah, as we lift you up, as we magnify you, can we just praise him again in the house of God today, Lord God.
chapter 4 starts off by saying don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. Believe the word of God. Believe that when whatever you're hearing comes through that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh we know that it's coming without selfishness. It's coming in love. It's coming in joy. It's coming without condemnation, but coming with conviction. We know that this is the voice of God. But when it comes with petty, manipulative tactics, when it comes with guilt and shame and fear, you know it's the voice of the enemy. That's right. So we like to quote, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But in order to get to that level, we got to start believing God. Amen. Hallelujah. And we also know greater is, uh, rather, uh, God before us. Who can be against us? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Confidence, folks. Confidence. Amen. The heavens and the earth are starting to shake in our lives. If you're starting to feel that, that's okay. If you have uh, diverse temptations and trials coming at you, remember to rejoice. This is the will of God. Amen. Give Amen. thanks in everything, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. No, we, we need to keep rejoicing. We need to keep thanking Him. We just need to just keep praising Him. Lord God, no matter what happens in my life, I have been given the strength to deal with it. I've been given the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Oh Lord God, I've been given hope and faith and love. All of these things cause action. Hallelujah, Lord God, in my life. So I'm going to walk by faith. And I'm going to receive the promise because you have told me I am confident in this very thing. Amen. Oh God, that when I ask anything in your will, you hear me, oh God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's praise him again. Thank you, Jesus. 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 God is so good, folks. Amen. God is good to us. God is good to us. God is good to us. Hallelujah. Go with confidence. Amen. God bless you. Greet each other in the name of Jesus.